step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA... Log on to HadIt.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 20th day of December 2018. I hope you're all ready for Christmas. And have a great and safe Christmas. A safe Christmas is a good Christmas for sure. Uh, today we're, we're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and uh, uh, John Stacy there, and our blue, uh, our uh, guest speaker is Ashnod, uh, Alex Graham, and we're going to do some discussing here on the Blue Water Navy as well as some other things. As you all know, the Blue Water Navy got uh, shut down and uh, on their bill. I forget the bill number, uh, 299 or something, but uh, that's probably wrong. But anyway... Uh, oh, I was right. Huh? Well, that's a miracle. But anyway, how are you doing today, Alex? I'm feeling like a million dollars as usual, Gerald. All green and wrinkled. Well, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, uh, you got any tour spots on you or anything? Yeah, you know, I've got a whole bunch of still in my left arm <laughs> that look like crochet hooks. There's four screws and a stainless steel spring to make sure my arm doesn't bend too far and pop out. Well, I had a little, accident. Had a little accident back in 94, and they, they, you know, the doctor told me, he says, if you'd done this two years ago, we would have asked, do you want to smoke cigarettes or do you want to play golf? <laughs> so I said, glad you got them stainless steel springs in your inventory now. But, yeah, they rigged it up real neat. My left arm almost worked really well for the last 24 years. And uh, a horse reined up. My wife's horse, Kona, reared up the other day when I was trying to stick a syringe in his mouth with antibiotics in it. He stretched that left arm about three inches longer than it's ever been in his life. (laughs) That was a Sunday before Thanksgiving. I I had to eat one-handed on Thanksgiving Day, which kind of kept me getting into it, but this thing still has not gone back together and the surgeon looking at it he says, hmm well, it looks like there's a big chunk of bone spur there, let's see if that adheres back to your the area formerly known as your elbow and uh, <laughs> then 
we won't have to do surgery, but we might have to take some of that hardware out of there to redo it. I think they stretched your spring a little bit. Oh, my. Well, if your yeah, arm's six inches longer, you know it did. <laughs> yeah, you feel like a gorilla or something. One, not <laughs> one hand drags the floor as you walk across it. Yeah, well, but, it's not that bad, but it hurts like the devil, and I don't like to eat painkillers anymore. The, the VA got me hooked on those things for about three years. Yeah, but, uh, bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's just nothing good comes of, of painkillers. You know, eventually you're going to need more and more and more and more. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and the yeah, pain but, stays. I got too much to do in my life to be monkeying around with that kind of thing. But, hey, you know what we were going to talk about today about this thing with the Navy? This, you've got to understand where the VA is coming from. They keep hiring more and more people, the bean counters, the the safety pen counters. The, the, they just got more people. Somebody to count staples, somebody to count the people who are counting the staples. And it's got more and more and more of an administrative uh, aspect to it. it. Does have a uh, men in the trenches with the rifles pointed at the enemy, the raiders, the ones that are doing the in the trenches work day to day in the regional offices. Pretty soon you go, you got six guys backing up every one of those raiders. Where in the 70s. Not a man could get his job done without six people looking over his shoulder and make sure he's doing it right. You know, they, they didn't get it right perfectly. That's just because that's the way they were taught. But if you fought that at long enough, you won. But long and short of it is the Navy situation is identical. When, we, when I first started hearing about this back in 89, 91, somewhere in there, I was reading up on the rules because I, I have – Porphyria, that was one of the first diseases they uh, discovered was related to Agent Orange, along with the chloracne. It wasn't until later they did more studies uh, in the 60s where they came down with that non-Hodgkin's lymphoma being related to it, uh, along with the chloracne. And when they were doing this stuff in Tennessee, first batching it for the government in 1958, the first thing that happened is all the workers had to start wearing really heavy-duty rubber gloves because they all come down with chloracne and porphyria. So yeah. they knew that in 58. It wasn't any real big mystery by 1991 or 92 when they finally included it in the Agent Orange list. So these guys have been flogging it ever since. But look at it. It used to be all you had to have was a Vietnam service medal uh, proven that you'd be in a Vietnam or a Vietnam campaign medal, either one, six, same difference, and that proved you'd been in Southeast Asia, especially with the Vietnam campaign medal that was awarded by the RVN. <coughs> excuse me, that uh, you had to actually be in country six months to get that medal, six months and one day before they'd even issue it to you. So. Uh, that was even more proof that you had boots on the ground. But even if you were out there on the aircraft carrier, you got awarded that VS Vietnam Service Medal, which is the yellow or red and green one. And that you got benefits for Agent Orange stuff until 2002. All of a sudden, the VA put out a new flash fast letter and said, "Whoa, stop 
dude, you got to make sure they were on the continent, in the territorial waters, like uh, the swift boat guys and uh, some of the stuff in Dining Harbor and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, that, that was the Eugene Haas decision. And after that, you literally had to have touched the, the red clay and got it in between your toes in order to get Agent Orange. And there'd be Navy guys that was probably on those aircraft carriers that they uh, paddled over to, or flew them into Vung Tau, and they did a three-day R&R there, and that qualified them. But you're not going to find those records anymore. So the next thing they did is they started drawing some really weird-ass lines across harbors and saying, uh-uh, Cameron Bay wasn't a real harbor. It was open ocean. And Da Nang doesn't count, even though it does. They they relitigated that one. But there was another one, Vung Tau Harbor and a, and a couple others. And if you were in that area, stationed in that area, or navigating those waters as a brown water Navy guy, all of a sudden you were blue water Navy. And boom, you didn't get Agent Orange. So you could see what the VA's been doing is they've taken a, a pocket knife to this thing and started whittling it down to where it's a lot smaller peg than it used to be. And uh, it, it requires a smaller peg to fit through the whole Agent Orange exposure, the presumptive. Right now, they whittle this thing down to where I think it's about 825,000 of us still left alive to actually kiss the ground there uh, one way or another, either being stationed there, flying in and out, whatever. But they don't like paying out because it's, it's a presumptive. Carol, it means it's literally, I was in Vietnam, I get a heart disease, coronary artery disease, I go down to McDonald's and eat there every day, you know, 24-7, 365, all of a sudden I end up with ischemic heart disease from all that cholesterol and big back. Oh, my. And I got, all I got to do is eat McDonald's, get coronary artery disease, and poof, I got a 100% rating with the VA. And it might kill you too, but I mean, it's it's you can get it that way. It's the same with diabetes. You don't take care of yourself, and you get to weigh in about 350 pounds. <clears throat> you come down with diabetes too in a big way, and need a lot of insulin. They got to pay you, regardless of your lifestyle habits, and you, you know, you just sit in front of the TV and, and eat pizza and drink beer, and got diabetes somehow. That's not. It's not your fault. It's from Agent Orange. So the VA don't like that. They don't like giving all that money away for sarcomas and cancers and this and that. And they keep chopping the list down. Now, they learned their lesson. Look what they did over there at Camp Lejeune, man. It's 14 diseases. Count them on your hands and toes. 14 of them. It isn't some vast quantity of, of cancers and, and uh uh, leukemia kind of things, stuff like that. They got it right down to, you can count it, like I said, there's 14 of them, but there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I, I won that one with a brain glioblastoma, uh, but that required a pretty fancy uh, independent medical opinion to convince the judge at the last minute. But that's what they're doing with the Navy guys. That's the one side. That's the history of it, Gerald. Now, 
here's here's the, the the second part or the the part that bothers me is that I know from experience watching how things grew and didn't grow with Agent Orange, mostly a lot of Agent Blue and some Agent White over the two years I was there. Uh, I watched what the, how they defoliated around air bases, and, of course, it got into the clay uh, because once there's no grass and no vegetation, there's just dirt. So every time a chopper came in and landed, it stirred up that dirt, and that's where they'd sprayed the Agent Orange or the Agent Blue to kill the weeds, so it just stirred up all that stuff right up out and into the air, and you breathed it. You got it in your nose every night. I'd take my canteen and pour a bunch of water in my hand to clean it off, and then i pour a little bit more in there, and i hold it up to my nose, and i kind of inhale it a quarter of a way up my nose and blow my nose out, and then just all this red dust, red clay mucus come out of my nose every night. We, Most of us, all of us did that. But uh, it, it didn't help me. I got nose bleeds and was coughing up blood after t- about 15 months of being there around a lot of that defoliant, but you have to understand, it's a heavy metal, it sinks down first thing into the soil and it goes down, eventually it sinks down enough into clay, for instance, that you can grow rice on top of it again, but other than that, if it gets sprayed into a rice paddy, it it takes about two, three years for it to clean up enough to do the rice, but all the rice is going to have it in it, it's going to soak right up into the rice, if you eat the rice, you're going to and drink the water from around there, you're going to get it in you. But now when I talk about that, think about that stuff having to go down a river for 300 miles and then go into the South China Sea and spill out into that big, huge amount or body of water, which is just part of the Pacific Ocean, basically. And now they're going to tell me that that Agent Orange floated offshore exactly, precisely 40 feet below the surface for 35 miles all the way out to Yankee Station or Dixie Station, if it was in the southern part of of the loop where all the aircraft carriers were sailing up there uh, and launching uh, airstrikes on the mainland. It's almost impossible for me to believe that that heavy metal product could suspend itself 40 feet below the surface and float out to the aircraft carrier and that their evaporator systems fit in 40 feet below the water line, which is what they admit where the port was to suck that water in, and distilled it down and made regular water out of it, and that somehow that had Agent Orange in it. Everybody drank it, showered in it, wallowed in it, and got it all over their bags and them too, and that's what caused their Agent Orange. I have a hard time believing that, Gerald. What are your thoughts on that subject? Well, uh, I don't know. That uh, it seemed like a stretch. I'm not saying that's impossible. What would be the minimum dose of Agent Orange that a uh, veteran could have took uh, that would cause him a lot of trouble. I don't know if they ever established that, have they? Well, no, they haven't, and that's an interesting theory because they do have 
shades of, of black and white here. Now, if you just touched, if you could prove that you landed at Tonsonut Air Base when you got there from Cameron Bay or from, or not from Cameron, uh, from Clark, Philippines, you might have landed at Cameron because that's the shortest distance between the two. If you come in on 130, because yeah, it couldn't make it to Saigon, it's too too far for the bird didn't carry enough gas. But if you could prove that you landed there and got out the aircraft and smoked a cigarette for 40 minutes while they refueled it and checked the tires and looked under the hood, then if you could prove that somehow, I mean, if you'd written a letter to your mom as you were standing there on the tarmac and stuck it in an envelope and threw it into the mailbox, and you didn't need a stamp back there in Vietnam. You just wrote the word free up there in the top right corner where the stamp goes because you get free mailing when you're in country. So if you'd mailed that to your parents, it would have been documented proof that you were on the ground in Vietnam. Even if you left 45 minutes later, got airborne and landed in Bangkok uh, an hour and a half later, and, and uh, uh, then went up country to Udorn, Uban, or any of those bases like Takli and Karat uh, as an Air Force or, or Army troop. Guys, is why, you know, you might never ever touch Vietnam again. You might have, your return flight might have come out of Bangkok and gone to Tan Sanut and caught a, a Freedom Bird home. But again, you would have had to show them somehow, <coughs> excuse me, you. There at Tonsonut. Again, you'd have to mail a letter. You, you, know, you, you couldn't just take a picture of you standing there because, I mean, hell, that could be a picture of you at Anderson and Guam or at, what do you call it over there at uh, Hickam and, at Pearl Harbor. Uh, it, you, you need some kind of documented proof to, to get yourself there. Feel sorry for these Navy guys because I suspect a lot of them did take an R and R, and that mean they'd have to catch a short flight from with a chopper from the aircraft carrier over to land, and they could have landed at Vung Tau. That was a big hot spot there, unless you wanted to go down to uh, Australia and, uh, and hit the big big town down there. I never did that one. I went to Japan one time on an R and R. Took me forever to get there, and then that's when you punch your ticket and start counting three days. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my friends didn't think this through. I was gone ten days on a three-day R and R. But anyway, uh, couldn't you, uh, why wouldn't a buddy statement? You know, you say, look, uh Look, we know we went into town, had a few drinks, and did this and that, and and looked the place over, or did whatever. And uh, of course, it's, it's not in the record, so uh, why wouldn't a buddy uh, statement work in a case like that, Alex? Well, I, I was going to say that, but let me let me make it one step further. Remember, I. There's different shades of gray or different shades of black and white on this exposure thing. Like I said, you could have. I gave you that example where you could have dropped a letter in the mailbox, jumped back on the airplane, and never set foot in Vietnam. Here's another scenario that was entirely possible. Is it, uh, yeah, you can you can do buddy letters and things like that, but 
you have TDY where you go in country. If you kept the TDY orders, it'd show that you were, you know, dispatched to a base in Vietnam. But if you were stationed in Thailand, they'll grant now that they've used tactical herbicides. They just choke and puke every time they try to say the word Agent Orange. But they're willing to grant you service connection for that. In fact, I got a couple of guys I'm represented down in Texas uh, uh, that are uh, doing this, and and they the, the idea is that they only sprayed it around the perimeter, the bomb dump where the concertina wire was, and the trip flares, and 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 right on around on the perimeter of the base, it was a ten foot cyclone fence at some places, and other places just concertina wire. That's how the gook got in. Uh, and everybody seems to think that there weren't any gooks in, in Thailand. You're crazy as shit, man. They were called communists. They weren't called Viet Cong. They had a different name, but they they existed. They had real AK-47s with real bullets in them too. But and they, they, that's another subject for another day. But if you if you got near the perimeter within 50 or 100 feet of the perimeter. You were technically in the area where they were spraying it, or the overspray, or whatever, because it killed the weeds. You could see it was red clay, just like everything on that friggin' peninsula there. It's all red clay. Anyway, the the long and short of it is, is if you had a job in the airport, like a dog handler or or like security policeman, so you were on the perimeter all the time. That was your job. 24/7, so to speak. Well, then you get a presumptive that you got your diabetes, or your <coughs> where you got your disease from. Uh, it's presumed. It becomes a presumptive for those people on that perimeter. But as I pointed out to a judge one day when we were standing there looking at the judge, I says, "You know, Your Honor, uh, I have to tell you this. I was stationed at this very same base that this old boy comes from. It's called Udorn." Royal Thai Air Force Base. You throw a rock, you're in Laos. And it, <laughs> it, you can't get any further north and still be in Thailand, basically. And uh, I said, you know, every time we went off base to get drunk on Friday and Saturday night, guess where we went? We walked up to the perimeter, Your Honor, and there was a gate there, and there were tanks and, and you know, Bunkers and M60 machine gun emplacements and stuff there at the entrance to the uh, the the base there. It was secured totally, and we walked through the perimeter. And when we came home at midnight or two o'clock or whenever they shut the gates down, we walked back through that area and it was all sprayed, Your Honor. So I mean, it, you don't have to be a security policeman and have a MOS or in the Air Force you got an AFSC. But you don't have to have an MOS of being a <coughs> security policeman. You, you, you were, our our uh, barracks were 20 feet from the perimeter. There was a road that went through and then the fence. And, and our barracks were like 10 foot back from the edge of the fence. And uh, you went jogging out there in the evening when things cooled down or something or sat out on the <coughs> steps out front where it was cooler in the evening and have a beer while you're sitting right there in it, literally. There wasn't any grass around there. It was dirt. <laughs> so <laughs> a different level, all you need to do in that case is go get yourself an independent medical opinion uh, from 
a doctor saying it's more likely than less likely that this old man has his diabetes and his ischemic heart disease from being exposed to stuff along the perimeter of the base of Israel. That's my medical opinion. And boom, Gerald, you win. That's all there is <laughs> to that one. So there's different levels of how you're going to get service connection for this stuff. The Navy guys, I honestly thought they were going to vote it back in and Congress was going to approve it, but those two jackwads from Wyoming and Utah threw a monkey wrench in there, and their attitude is like they're from Missouri. Show me. Prove it. Tell me why or how, like like I just said, how on earth does a heavy metal chemical float 40 feet perfectly below the surface like it's got a bobber attached to it in vast quantities and flow 35 friggin' miles out to sea and get sucked up. If you take a dropper, a red FD&C number two red food color, and take a dropper of that and drop it uh, into your bathtub with it half full of water, I swear to God, if you swirl it, you'll never be able to see that that bath water is a little bit redder than it was before you put that in there. You probably put of them eyedropper loads of it in there and before you start to see a color change. So imagine taking 12 or 20 dump trucks full of FNC number two red and dumping them right into the riverine estuary of all them rivers all the way up and down South Vietnam and, and making it all roll out into the sea. And you tell me if that South China Sea, which has got more water in it than God than I can even conceive of. It's part of the Pacific friggin' Ocean. Now, you dump all that stuff into every little river that comes out to the edge of the South Vietnam, I don't think you're going to see the whole South China Sea turn red with this shit. Not even 35 miles out. I don't see it. I just It's almost impossible to, to think of it. I mean, to conceive of how that can be that you could get that much into those intakes on those water deals, dense it down, and then have it become, you know, eat or drink it or something. Look at this, Gerald. I I did two years, not 10 months, not a year, but I did two full years in-country, in-exposure situation with that crap. And all I came down with was Crohn's disease, which isn't on the list, and porphyria, which is, and I got a hundred for that. But I haven't come back come down with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I haven't come down with diabetes. I haven't come down with ischemic heart disease. There's a bunch of stuff I haven't come down with that everybody else seems to come down with almost perennially. So I'm I, I'm not going to argue why I didn't. I'm not going to kiss the ground, thank God, and shake my hands in the sky go to a kumbaya meeting because I haven't come down with it because for shit, the moment I say that, John, you know I knew I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> well, it looks to me like the uh, Blue Water Navy is going to have to take a different approach, but I suspect they'll try legislation again. They did get it to the House, but the Senate uh, not going let it, to let it fly. And like well, you said, them, them idiots out there uh, just shut them down. Now they're going to have to start over. So 
I don't know how many bills they put in, but I don't know what the answer to their problem well, is. Uh, like you said, it's it's a tough case to prove up. Uh, if if that's heavier than you know, if it has metal properties in it and it's heavier than water or seawater, it's certainly gonna gonna uh, go to the bottom, and uh, you know I don't know what the answer is for them. Well, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, because I, I kept track of this and I read quite a few articles on it. I even wrote quite a few articles on it. Is it, there's a boy named Alfred Procopio? It might be. I think it's Alfred. It could be Albert. Okay, so I think it's Alfred. Back in 2010, 2011, or maybe it was 2010, Al Procopio filed a claim with DA for uh, ischemic heart disease and uh, diabetes, I believe was who he was filing. He says, I was on the USS Intrepid or, or one of those other ones out there. And what happened is that we had and I'm quoting, you know, paraphrasing what he said, and we had uh, aircraft that were spray aircraft that we launched from the Intrepid that sprayed Agent Orange, so I was always rolling the drums around and, and, and you know, on the flight deck, and we, we got it all over ourselves, basically, and that's how I got exposed to Agent Orange. Well, <clears throat> the guy at the regional office in Minnesota where he filed laughed his ass off, he was yeah, right. Yeah, right, Al, and denied it. He appeals this, and he throws in, and he goes, well, yeah. But also, you know, it, um, the airplanes that we were launching and that were coming back, that we recovered up there on the flight deck, well, they were all coated with this stuff. They flew through it when they were, you know, on their uh, on their missions over Vietnam. And, uh, okay, I'm going to take them aside here, Gerald. I was a... Backseater to forward air control. We called in airstrikes. We watched those guys drop them bombs, and sometimes the concussion of those 500-pounders that push our aircraft sideways. We were that close. But let me tell you, flying through there in the midst of all this in a C-123 spray in Agent Orange, we had a no-fly zone and a, a, what we called no-tams, a notice to airmen. Everybody knew where we were running our operations every day. And nobody was flying, you know, sightseeing, rubbernecking, or running milk runs through there with the 123s. You just, you, there's no way an attack aircraft like a, a, a one or, or or some of the other aircraft we had calling in. There's there's just no way they could get any Agent Orange on them. And if it was an F4 or an A4, or A7, something like that, you know, those guys. Travel at 350, 500 knots, you, you could, that's like kind of sucks the chrome right off of a bumper of a Cadillac. You can't, you can't get Agent Orange to stick on an airplane at 500 knots. I mean, it's going to come off. The wind will blow it off. It's, it's the geometry of the aircraft and it's, it's physics. Agent Orange is, is one to one mixed with a, a kerosene product. Any kind of petroleum distillate, oil, Kerosene, uh, old petroleum distillates like brake fluid, things like that, hydraulic fluid. I've seen all kinds of stuff mixed in with this stuff to make it stick 
to the vegetation. That's the whole purpose of it. But you don't get it to stick to an airplane. So Mr. Procopio had two theories so far, one of which was uh, they had the 507 flying orchids, and they were spraying Agent Orange and reloading it on the deck, which nobody can prove. In fact, everybody's been able to disprove it. And then nobody can recall coming back and seeing the aircraft with a slight sheen of Agent Orange on it. Then the third theory he finally came up with is, well, okay, it has to be uh, being sucked up through the water thing. But he didn't come up with that theory until he saw that the Australian guys in the Australian Navy used that as their excuse to get coverage for Agent Orange, uh, that they ingested it through their uh, water purification but the Navy guys were sailing within 12 miles of the shore, not 35 miles out like those aircraft carriers. Well, I could see how the Australian Navy guys might have claimed that way. Well, that was 2011, and Mr. Procopio went all the way up to the Court of Veterans' Appeals, and he lost, and he gave up. So he started again. And this time he started in 2014, and he started finessing the he he wasn't saying anything about anybody flying airplanes full of Agent Orange off the deck of the Intrepid. He started in with a whole new theory: is that that they had airplanes that flew up to Da Nang and landed at Da Nang and picked up the mail, and the pilots that flew those aircraft got Agent Orange all over them, and they got all over the mail bags and the aircraft that landed there at Da Nang. And then that landed back at the end. And then those guys took off their flight suits and put them in the washer and the dryer. And they got Agent Orange all over everything in the water systems and in the showers and the washing machines. And they got Agent Orange on them. So every time they took a shower, it stuck to the walls of the shower stall. So it transmitted it to other people. And then uh, they also, uh, the aircraft had the Agent Orange on it. If you rubbed up against it, you got it all over yourself and... Boom, you know, there you go. That's how that's how it happened. So each time he keeps coming out with a new theory, it, it's like the guy, he, a new excuse, a new, yeah, that's how it happened. No, wait a minute. Take that, I take that back. This is how it happened. Now I remember. I, okay, let me, let me start over. <laughs> and that's well. what he did. Now here we are up at the Federal Circuit in 2018, on his third expedition, no, third expedition up the ladder, still trying to get people to believe that the reason he has Agent Orange uh, diseases is strictly due to now, due to the idea of the mail bags and, and uh, the, the thing where you bring suck the water up into the, the intake for the, all the fresh water system. That's all he's got. I'll tell you what, man, if I was, if this was a horse race and I was betting, I'd be betting on the horse named Wilkie. <laughs> I don't think he's going to win it. I mean, I wish he did win it. I hope he does. But he doesn't have anything. He's got a whole bunch of could-haves, would-haves, and should-haves. And these guys in, in uh, these two senators, so one in uh, Colorado and one in Wyoming, one of them's name is Espy, I think, they, they got a hold of this report, and they went, man, this thing's got more holes than Swiss cheese, for crying out loud. This is like one of them weird-ass propositions. So, like, 
if I'd been abducted by the aliens in 2010 and I just got back two years ago, that would explain why nobody's seen me for six years. So there you go. That's my proof. You haven't seen me since 2010. you got to assume I was abducted. And I'm telling you, it was aliens, so you got to believe, right? Well, that's not how this system works. A buddy letter isn't going to fix this one. And, you know, you would think that he would have had 15 or 25 buddy letters about all this Agent Orange that they were pumping into aircraft that were spraying it over North Vietnam in downtown Hanoi or something. So well, it looks like it. I mean, you know, wouldn't I have to give him a better fighting chance? Uh well, I kind of hand. Who knows? Uh, it's just a tough claim. I mean, you know, I don't see how it's going to happen for him. And not to say uh, there's quite a few of them veterans with Agent Orange-like ailments. They could have ischemic heart trouble, sugar diabetes, and all this and that. But how are they going to prove it is uh, associated with Agent Orange in Vietnam because they was in the waters way out there, you know, miles from shore, uh, that... They come in on their drinking water and shower water and this and that. It's a good theory, but I don't see, you know, if they had like 75, 80% uh, rate of disabilities showing they all had the same disabilities, it might be a better argument. I don't know what the percentage is. Uh, if there was a hundred thousand uh and uh, say seventy five eighty thousand of them had agent orange presumptives, there might be a case well i I believe in the theory that it came down the rivers. I do believe that now I could tell you more than one time I think I took off from my Cameron Bay at one time, I do remember it was during monsoon. We got a break in the clouds, and we were on visual flight rules because we didn't have any fancy computers in our little airplane. And we took off, went on the donut hole, beat feet for altitude, and I happened to look over into the water off the side there. Uh, it was right on the shore, basically. Cameron wasn't right on the shore, but it was close. But you could see over to the water, and you could see that clay where it come out of the Musong River there, huge plume of, of, of white, light tan color where it hit the, the actual ocean there um, and became a, a, a darker kind of a puke green blue or something like that. But you could see the plume of silt going out into the water. It was light tan color. So it's not hard to conceive of Agent Orange sashaying on down to the South China Sea in mass quantities. I could see it happening. I'd say it would settle out pretty short order because uh, it's, it's, it's a heavy product that would be carried to the bottom almost instantly. I bet you if it took a dredge and, and dredged the first six to nine miles off the coast of Vietnam right now, went down about 10 feet in that sediment, 
you'd find a vein of Agent Orange down there, or the, or the dioxin and TCC. <clears throat> you'd find all that shit in there, just like a a, a band of, of chemicals that looks like a line going through a rock. Sometimes it's it's almost guaranteed you're going to find that. Uh, if you read that article I have on uh, my website, if, if you, in fact, if you go to asnod.org, it's the very first article on the website, and it's a hatted.com radio show announcement. But I put some interesting links in there about Mr. Procopio's claims, his first filing and his second filing, and now his third latest filing that's up at the Federal Circuit right now. It's not a real good vehicle to win the claim uh, of um, exposure to Agent Orange. I think, personally, he could have won it by just going and getting an independent medical opinion. But this one is so dicey, and that he's, he's hedgehog from one thing to another that he's kind of pissed in the well. He's running out of spaghetti to throw at the wall and see if any of it sticks. Uh, and, and like I said, now he's hanging his hopes on mailbags and airplanes and flight suits having this shit on him, it's having it in the bottom of a, 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 a shower stall on a horizontal surfaces. It's it's scary that they, anybody, and I have to point out, it's his attorney that's driving this thing. This attorney's name, John, John B. Wells, he's very famous down in Texas. And uh, he takes on a bunch of that stuff that nobody would touch, and just being one of them. But I think he's he's been the representative for this guy all this time, and I don't really cotton to the way. I don't, I, you know, if you can't say anything nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. Well, I, if I was a, a veteran, I sure as hell wouldn't want him representing me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you, John. <laughs> I'm sorry if you can hear this. No thanks. I mean, you know, you, you, it's, it's a trick. I've told everybody this is like bacon cookies. you got to have three things. We all know what those three things are, so I won't bore the readership and the listeners with it. But if you don't have a, a opinion, a, a medical opinion from your doctor, don't depend on the VA. If you don't have that, you're not going to win your claim. And this if you're going to take three flying tackles on a rolling donut, it would seem to me about one of them times you would say, hey, let's go get a doctor to say that that's how this happened. Why don't we get a doctor to put it down and write and explain how that happens, how it gets on the airplanes and the mailbags. And then, then, you know, then we can win the claim. But if you couldn't get a doctor to say it for you for any amount of money, if you couldn't hire Dr. Bash to say it, then you're going to have to resort to some really, really good, interesting arguments that have a, you know, probably have naked women in them. <laughs> They're only really going to get his attention on this subject. Lots of photographs. But well, it does know. take a lot of doctors uh uh, backing you uh, with IMOs, IMEs, and uh, to get something accomplished. And somehow uh, they must be missing that, Alex, or, or something. I don't know if they didn't have enough doctors related 
research or university to Mayo Clinic or something like that, uh, uh, research or, or backing, say, yes, this is more likely than not because of some of these ailments, uh, it... I don't see them getting anywhere. It's going to take the medical field to push this thing through. You're right. It, it's going to require, you know, what they call subject matter experts in the thing, not just, you know, your Uncle Phil who happens to be a doctor. And, yeah, my cousin Lim, yeah, that's how he got it. He was on the aircraft carrier. And yep, yep, that's how it happened. I'll, I'll tell you something that I see that disturbs me is that, well, that they're trying to use Procopio as, as a vehicle. That's, that's scary in its own right, but the bigger thing that I have a hard time swallowing is not that how some guy on an aircraft carrier got diabetes mellitus from Agent Orange that was as near as anybody can tell 35 miles away from him. How that happened, but how a guy in Thailand now, on the other hand, who walks in this stuff for 365 days a year, it's all over the base. They're spraying it out of hand sprayers, and if there's any breeze, why it's moving with the breeze and goes where it wants to. Uh, they had trucks sometimes that had these spray arms that pointed outwards at a 45-degree angle, and they sprayed out about 20 and they sprayed those around the perimeter uh, extensively, I think about every month at least. And it killed everything dead or shit. And within five hours, it was brown. And within two weeks, it had blown away. It just turned to brown dust and, and blown away. <clears throat> and, and like I said, it, it was just red clay dust. Now, all these guys, all these Air Force guys, and there was Army guys there too. He had a whole bunch of... Uh, Secret Squirrel Army bases, they had these massive uh, antenna farms, and they could listen in on stuff going on in uh, North Vietnam, up in Laos and whatnot, and uh, pick it up and use it for intelligence purposes. It's called the Army Security Agency, ASA. Well, anyway, they... Uh,
you know, it's it's unfair to well because Kurt proved the Kurt guys Priest and walked in the stuff. Uh, proved the guys and, on uh, the aircraft carriers were getting it on them. Uh, Kurt Priest and he kind of broke the ice on the Thailand bats there. Uh, he was able to prove up his case that they did indeed use Agent Orange around all the the bases and the airfields, but uh, and they did a lot of work on it and and uh, we're certainly proud of him for that. But that seemed. Uh, that's about where they stopped. You know, you get off in the brush somewhere, you know good and well it was sprayed, and they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to award connection for that. Well, it's real simple with Thailand, and we don't want to disturb our wonderful relationship with Thailand. And when we went in there and started cutting brush back and building fences and trying to, you know create a dry spot for a runway, the king of Thailand says, you know, you guys don't use any of that Agent Orange in my country. You promise you're not going to use that shit. That that looks pretty potent. I don't want that. And, of course, we said, sure, we won't use it. But you know as well as I do, if you go into a supermarket, they're going to have 15 brands of underarm deodorant there, spray, this is and that. But in when you were in Southeast Asia, you had different stuff coming in, and mostly towards the end, all it was was three kinds, Agent White, Agent Blue, and Agent Orange, <clears throat> up until when they quit using it on paper in 1971, which I dispute. <laughs> I saw it still being used up in Thailand. They were just using up what was still there. Uh, they might have quit sending it there in 1971. I don't know, but you know, the long and the short of it is, is that supply system, you're not going to have Roundup on the menu. It's going to be Agent Orange, Agent Blue, Agent White maybe, but it's not going to be Roundup or little granules that you dump out and it, and it kills stuff. I'm sorry, you don't get that many chances when you're doing this. You get the, the industrial strength stuff and we'll put a different name on it. We'll call it Roundup if you want to call it Roundup, but let me guarantee you it's it, you peel back the Roundup label right underneath it, it says Agent Blue or something on it. Mm. Oh, okay. Who are you bullshitting? The, the king said you can't use it, and we said we wouldn't. And uh, as far as he knew, we weren't, but I know we were. Everybody knew we were and what we were using. There wasn't any big friggin' secret. You sprayed it, and it killed it. I've never seen Roundup work that good in my life. <laughs> Roundup on steroids, Gerald. That's what it was, yeah. Man, we loved it. You know, actually, I hate to say this, we loved it because it killed all the ants and the bugs and the mosquitoes. It killed everything. Hell, it killed the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, it was real efficient. Killed snakes. Man, I'm telling you, nothing wanted, no cobra, no self-respecting cobra would go near that Agent Orange where it had been sprayed. No way. It was amazing shit. But but to give to to make this fly, you're going to give this to the Navy guys. You got to open up that that same book and give it to the guys in Thailand, and probably to the guys at Anderson Island, uh, Anderson Air Force Base in Guam, 
and uh, Naha and Kadena over there in uh, Okinawa. I've, the Korean, you got to admit that that Korean zone is probably a little bit more heavily sprayed than anybody even wants to admit, not just in the one little area that they said it was. I find that when you cheat and steal and then you get discovered, you don't tell all, you don't have a big come-to-Jesus meeting and tell them all about all the crimes you've ever committed. My attitude's always been, well, what what do you say I did? Yeah, I did that. That's all I did. I'm not going to open up and say, oh, yeah, not only did I do that. God, you did that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh, yeah, we sprayed the shit out of that stuff over here, too, you know. But, yeah, here, peel the label back. See what that says here? <laughs> Butylated esters, baby. Two four, two four five T. Man, that's this is the good shit. This is Agent Tang. Yeah, this this is not cut right. And it ain't from China. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the, we we swoggled the, the king into believing we were spraying Roundup when we weren't, uh, and. Then, more appropriately, we had we couldn't fly it all up into Laos, but it, they trucked it in 18-wheelers all the way from Satahip, the port of Satahip, which was down there on the Gulf of Thailand, uh, down at the southern end of the country. They and they trucked it up on 18-wheelers all the way up there to Udorn, where we were, unloaded it there, and then reloaded it uh, on a C-123 or 130 aircraft and flew it up to Longchen, and some of it they crossed. They must have. The runway at Longchen wasn't long. I don't think it was. It wasn't very long, but you, you could come in there. As long as you dumped all your weight off, then it, you could take off again. But there was these two mountains right at the end of the runway. We called it the vertical speed break because if you didn't slow down get on the binders, you run into them at the end of the runway. There wasn't, that was the end of the runway was two mountains. <laughs> the airport was nicknamed the one-way runway. You take out the one <laughs> in the other direction. There, 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 wasn't, there wasn't two options on that one. It's called alternate, Lima Site 20. Lima Site 20 alternate, LS20A. It was the biggest air. It was the biggest air patch in Southeast Asia, damn near. There was more people there than you could shake a stick at when I got there in '70. And nobody had uniforms on. Everybody had really cool Thompson submachine guns and Swedish Ks and all kinds of neat stuff. Old G3 grease guns. Man, you know, M16s were about the only thing you didn't see. <laughs> Life was good, Gerald, and then they sprayed Agent Orange. But I know that uh, we sprayed that stuff all over at Long Tien, but we didn't spray it like from the air. The, the kids used bleach bottles, and they scooped it up with the bleach bottles with the bottoms cut off right out of the barrels, not even mixed 50 to 50 or 1 to 1. It was a pure 100% strength. And they'd go out and they'd shake their one in each hand, and they'd shake them gently and spill the uh, the Agent Orange onto the ground and kill all the grass around the, where the runways and the uh, uh, taxiways and hard stands were. The, a lot of it was laterite. We didn't have the metal PSP uh, planks on the ground in, in some of the areas. 
But they they carry this stuff all the way out, way out, like two or three hundred yards out to the edge of the perimeter of the what we call the base. There weren't any walls or, or wire or fences or anything. Anybody in or out. But <clears throat> you at least you could shoot them because you could see them coming. <laughs> but kids, the kids used to do this, and by the time you got to be 11, well, then you were old enough to carry one of them M1 30 caliber carbines, and you joined the Army, whether you wanted to or not. But those kids, when they got finished spraying and spreading all that Agent Blue or Orange or whatever they were scooping at, at any given time, they... Uh, they run down there and jump into the creek that run through there, and all those people in that little village that was about 15, 25 feet, gravitationally speaking, below us, falling away down further into the valley, all those people were drinking that water out of that creek. Here those kids washed off in that creek, got all that Agent Orange off, and down the creek it went, lickety-split. I doubt any of those people are even alive anymore. Uh, I doubt it. I really do. disfigured, but I had a, a gal who works over there <clears throat> sent me an article about it. And uh, disfigurement, even now, uh, 50 years later, <clears throat> these Thai kids are being born with all kinds of uh, deformities. Uh, you're familiar. You, you're my age. You, you know what uh, thalidomide was, right? Yeah. Remember how many kids were born with their hand came out of their elbow or something, or their hand sprouted right out of their shoulder, or they had no yeah. arm at all? Uh, That's or true. Their feet came were literally right out of their knees or something like that. They were missing all kinds of parts and pieces or fewer fingers. And they finally traced it back to that drug. Well, that's exactly what these kids with Agent Orange look like. There's a... Huge, uh, a bunch of uh, what do you call that when your your front lip uh, curled up and and you it's open in your mouth, uh, palate or something. Like that. Uh, there's a lot of that there too. I, where there wasn't, there was none of that indigenous population when we were there. Now yeah. there is cleft palate. Yeah, cleft palate. Yeah, cleft palate. But that's the very least of it. Some of them are born with the one with no eyes. It's never opened. I mean, you know, they're just sealed shut. There's no eyelash, no lid, no nothing. I mean, it's just two fleshy, fleshy areas where the eyeballs are and no eyeballs at all. It's, I, I mean, this is going on 50 years later. That's why I say I know this stuff is a heavy metal product. It sinks, it falls down. It doesn't go very far, and if there's a mountain to your other side of you there and they spray it over there, it's all going to come down off the side of that limestone cart and come roaring down and end up in your rice. You're going to plant your rice in it, and your rice is going to drink that water. You're going to be doing that for 50 years. If you're still getting influenced by it 50 years later, I'd say that stuff's still right there in the soil, right where it was sprayed or right where it gravitationally flowed uh-huh. to. I just don't see how it much money, out. How much money did Monsanto and our government pay those poor people for doing that to them? Not enough. 
None. I don't yeah, know. I have, I've never seen zero, I think. I don't think, you know. Monsanto would be out of business. They they, they would have been defunct a long time ago. Well, look what we oh, did here now. Not, I read in the newspaper where they finished the cleanup of the soil at Da Nang. They reclaimed mm-hmm. the airport where we a bunch of ships and did stuff there and said Agent Orange came in the country there. Uh, I disagree with that because I think all the spray ops were being run out of Benoit from what I heard. I know that there was some rogue operations here, there, and everywhere, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't recall Nang being the trail dust capital of the world for spray aircraft. It was always Benoit. What planes did they use? What, what kind of planes? What, what, was, what was the plane that did the spray air? What, what were they? P-3s I saw a C-7 caribou an army had converted. They were flying over near uh, Savannah Cat in Laos, in the trail right there uh, locally, and using it real locally, so to speak. But it was, I'm sure it was ba- based out of Laos. Uh, Paxe, I think was the name of the air, the little La- uh, Laotian airfield we had there. But uh, everything in, in all the spray missions running out of Benoit in Southeast, uh, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, and on the trail there were all used C-123s almost exclusively. <coughs> they were in they were in mothballs at Davis Mountain, and they were taking them out of mothballs as fast as they could and giving them to Air America and using them for spray ops. And, uh, mm-hmm. <coughs> even There's put a big C-19. story. Yeah, was a big story out of Tennessee uh, a few years ago with uh, these guys that were actually air crew that flew in the plane to actually spray. They kept giving them a hard time, too, and I guess they finally lost a court case or something. They got busted. They had to pay up. They didn't want him to pay the guys that actually sprayed it, you know. I mean, they were exposed to it. Well, we know that one group of veterans that inherited some of those 123s of Michigan or, or was it Michigan or Massachusetts that they the aircraft they said you could still smell the, the pesticide or the herbicide inside the aircraft and they West what that guy's name was but a bunch of those Air National Guard guys got uh, coverage for Agent Orange because they were in, using the old 123s that still had that shit in them mm-hmm. but it's not right. I'll tell you is going to keep cutting and trimming and, and trying to get rid of as many people as they can on this Agent Orange thing. But the truth of the matter is is that Mr. Procopio is never going to win his claim. I, I'll stake my reputation on that. I just don't see how anybody can win a claim when they don't have any evidence. All they have is a bunch of, well, it's possible that, people, you know, those mailbags, Conceivable they got Agent Orange on because they put them on the ground before they stuck them in the aircraft. And if your feet touch the ground even for 30 seconds, then you automatically get presumptive for Agent Orange. Then if, they, if you touch the mailbag, you should get it if you get back to the ship. Hey, you know, no flies on me. I agree with you on that. I think I want every guy in the world to get a piece of the VA. That's how I take it. Friend. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but I'm telling you, they're using the wrong 
ought to have some way to go after people using the R&R thing. Because I'm telling you, boys, everybody went on R&R. That was the high point of your career. Six months there, you got to go play with the girls. And that was three days of stupidity and, and too much alcohol and whatever. And then it was back to six more months of the shit, and then you sail back to San Diego and the USS Intrepid, and that was the end of it. But you weren't, the Navy guys didn't go for a whole year on that aircraft carrier without that that R&R, and if they were 35 miles away from the coast and R&R, that's where they'd go. That's, that's a simple explanation for it. I don't know why nobody is looking at that. It's just automatic. It's the easiest argument in the world. Everybody had to go ashore at one time or another from those aircraft carriers to get supplies or something or escort an admiral or do something, and they'd have to land at Da Nang or, or whatever, Fan Rang, one of them bases eventually. And the moment you land, you get the presumption. Your feet touch the ground, boom, you were there, dude. You were there 30 seconds or 30 minutes or 30 days or 300 days. It doesn't make any difference. So they, they need somebody who went R&R &R who can't prove it, but maybe he has a buddy letter, you know, from somebody else who we went on R&R &R with. That's how you start winning these claims and bust down that wall. But I don't think Mr. Procopio was the best guy to use because he... He's come up with about six or eight different ways on how this happened, <laughs> depending on what day of the week you've talked to him about it and how many beers he's had. So, you know, that goes to the credibility. You can, you have all the credibility in the world in front of a judge until you step on your necktie and prove that you don't deserve the credibility. That's why when I help folks build claims, from the scratch, some people come to me and they'll say, guide me through the, the process. If I lose, would you take my case and file my NOD? And I say, yeah, if you let me do, show you how to build it, I'll do it for free. And somebody says, well, I think this is the risk, but it could be something else, but I'll just put this down. I said, no, you put down both risk factors because this is a 12-gauge contest. You spit as many pellets out there and hope one of them hits the magic circle. You don't change your story after you start filing and, like, file a claim for uh, hepatitis C and say it was the jet guns, and then about halfway through it when you file your NOD, you say, well, it was the jet guns or it was those haircuts where the barber reached into that jar behind him and pulled out that straight razor and stropped it on his leather strop there, and they trimmed that hair down right near your collar. And then he just stuck it back there in the blue juice jar, and then five, ten minutes later, he pulled it out for another guy. Well, that's how hepatitis C gets spread. That, that share in that razor, that's, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You're out in the boonies on patrol someplace, and you got one toothbrush among three guys. Let me trust you, you're going to be sharing that toothbrush. <laughs> I know, I don't don't like to talk about that, but unfortunately I know that. And uh, sometimes it, you, you make a million dollars in two, two packs of Marlboros for a, for a toothbrush. Ten for a bottle of scotch. And they, 
bargaining is, is is an art form when you're in the war. But there's a hundred different ways to win a claim, and there's the right way and the wrong way. You can spend 29 years doing it the wrong way, like I did, or 20 years. I don't know how long it was. About 20. Or you know, you can learn. That's what I love about Had It is if Had It had been there. 1994 for me. I, you guys even wouldn't even be talking to me. I would have had my 100% and been down the road and never wasted any more energy on this project. But they screwed me. And, you know, I've, I learned how to skin them back. That's the name of this game is learning how to win at it. Teaching others. That's, that's the greatest thing in the world is teaching other people how to do it so that they don't have to go through what we went through. That's what I love about the, the Internet, giving us that ability to reach out and touch so many people. So you know, I think we have touched uh, uh, quite a Gerald, few people. You must have reached Nirvana at the BVA or the CAVC by now, haven't you? Well, I don't know. I think they got my got me pegged up there. It, uh, I'm I'm nailed to the cross, I guess. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what to make of it. Uh, they keep admitting, you know, you were exposed to everything, but uh, my ear. You know, I can get service connected on my ear. I hope the hell I don't fall off. I'll lose that. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, well, it would seem to me when you go out and you bend atoms like they did, you guys sit around in the bleachers and watch it go on. They're always just what they call the presumptive, where you just, okay. If you come down with cancer, we'll pay you for it. We don't care what flavor of cancer it is. Yeah, well. There should not be an after that first thing where you say, yeah, I watched them bend Adams. Okay, never mind. You win. You shouldn't have to explain how, why, and say, well, here, I have a dosimeter badge. What's that? I've never heard of one of those. (laughs) What's your lifetime exposure? We have your lifetime exposure record on file, and you wasn't exposed nowhere near what they what you said you were. <laughs> yeah, Paul's <laughs> mm. yeah, <laughs> How did you get exposed to radiation? Well, standing inside the nuclear reactor, the nuclear submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, how could that happen? <laughs> yeah. Now, Gerald needs a jackhammer because he's done tough through the cracks and they mortared over top of the cracks. Yeah, they they put me in a vault. <laughs> but anyway, well, you know, when you do win, and for instance, you know, um, these people they they give unemployability to. Now they're talking about taking that away from them, uh, and and uh, now they're talking about not including some ailments, uh, ischemic heart disease, uh, uh, respiratory some respiratory issues, and and other things. COPD. Yeah, COPD. And 
well, there's there's a list of what five or six of them, and they're gone. Now, yeah, what's going on list, with all yeah. that? That's your, that's your uh, uh, I mean, congressional budget office think tanks. What that is? I uh, know, but it don't change the the element for the poor veteran. I mean, mm-hmm. he's still got the issues. <coughs> mm. They try that, and they'll be tied up in court for fifty years. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, John. Let's mm. hope. Let's hope it don't get that far. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I hope we we won't be alive to see it happen. <laughs> uh, let's hope not. I do well, know veterans, as soon as they got 100%, they was after them within 30 days to take it away from them. <laughs> now, that's sad. Well, the one thing I look forward to is that somebody would, if they do rebuild a bill for Agent Orange, if they're going to try to resurrect this thing for these blue water sailors, I think if you're going to have to do that, you have to do it for those folks. Thailand, Anderson, uh, or not, uh, Guam, Okinawa, and places where we know they, that they've admitted they used it, and they've even granted claims to veterans who were stationed there, like in Guam, and uh, uh, I don't know about Okinawa yet. But I did have a guy that uh, had hepatitis C, and he had a couple of Agent Orange diseases, and he was uh, uh, stationed at Okinawa there, so and they have dug up the drums apparently, the 55 gallon drums, 50 gallon drums of uh, with the orange stripes on them, and it's oh well that's funny because we never used Agent Orange in Okinawa. I don't know how this stuff got here. Why would there be? Well, they must have been empty. <laughs> You're right. They are now, but that explains why a whole bunch of Marines on, on Okinawa have that problem. Anyway, I I think that there's it, it has to be granted to everybody. You cannot get specific and say, well, you're more entitled to it than you are, and and you guys get it, but you guys don't. There's no way you can do that in the military. It's not well, it's not ethical, but more you can't have two sets or three sets or four sets of rules for every eventuality, you have to have that presumptive, the way they give it to us who actually were in Vietnam. It makes sense to do it that way. It's, it's like the VA likes to say, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You probably went on R&R, you are probably in country, at least transferred from one aircraft or chopper coming off of one of the uh, aircraft carriers, transitioned from helicopter to uh, aircraft and flew to Hawaii, or not to Hawaii, uh, rather, to uh, down to Australia. Uh, maybe <clears throat> maybe you were on, on the tarmac for 45 minutes or an hour and a half waiting to get on that airplane and fly to, uh, down there to Australia. Well, that that's the presumptive. You touch the ground physically, and that should be the metric. Should just be. It should almost be the VA would have to prove that you didn't go on R and R and you didn't leave the aircraft carrier. Uh, that that would be my idea of how to do the presumptive. But as far as the guys in Thailand go, that's to 
me, that's a no-brainer. You're on a base. You're captive on a piece of real estate that's about 20, 36 acres. You cannot leave it during the course of 18 or, well, you know, get to leave it maybe four hours on a Friday or a Saturday night, but you couldn't go downtown on weeknights because I might not make it back. And they closed the gates down. There was a curfew time when you couldn't get back on base, period. And if you got after that, you were up Shet Creek if you couldn't get on base. <clears throat> it'd be too late the next morning to get changed, change your clothes and still get to work. So it strikes me as that anyone and everyone who was stationed at any size base, and I don't care if it was like an ear patch like mine, there was... Sixteen guys in my detachment where I was at the ass end of nowhere at a little teeny-weeny airstrip. It was called Tango 11, the operating location, Charlie. And it was a runway that was about it was about as wide as three-lane road, maybe, a country road. Not even a country road times two was the runway. A C-47 was about all it could land. It was the biggest thing that could land there old Goonie bird, and it wasn't exactly a long one either. You could land and take off as long as you weren't overloaded, but I never saw anything bigger than a C-47 come in there, or a C-7 caribou. No 123s or anything. But you're going to have to grant that presumption to these people, and I I bet you $100 that the VA is going to wait until... 2025 or 2035 when we're all about 85 and if any of us are still actually alive survived our coronary artery disease and our mitral valve dysfunctions and myocardial infarctions they'll say okay we're gonna grant we're gonna grant presumptive to all you guys from thailand now come on down get your money like 16 people show up it's gonna be like this Last man standing for the USS Arizona. I mean, that's what the <laughs> VA does. Notoriously, they're well known for doing that. But it wouldn't shock me if that's what happens, and and that's why you're not going to the Navy guys get that 35 mile deep water presumption. I, I just don't see it happening. You're going to need a better vehicle. A lot of times when you're trying to sell ice cubes to the Eskimos, it, it all depends on what the ice tree looks like. you got to make it look real appealing. Pickle me Elmo stickers on it or something. you got to jazz it up a little bit. And I don't think they're doing that with Mr. Procopio. I think they took the wrong guy up there and used him. That's like taking a child molester up and trying to, you know, say why he should be entitled to sainthood. <clears throat> you got to have good character. you got to have good credibility before you're ever going to win the claim. Uh, I, I just don't see that happening. But from my standpoint, I don't see the scientific evidence that could prove why those Blue Water Navy guys would get it just by virtue of being on the aircraft carrier. I think there, a lot of them are entitled to it, as I say, but I don't think... I think the entitlement rests on the the rest and relaxation leave, the three-day vacation. I don't think anybody's looking at that. I don't understand why not. Everybody got R&R. I can't 
can't. I mean, I've never heard of anybody who didn't put it that way. Hmm. I got two R and R's because I did two years there. Boy, I felt like I was honored. That's why I said I went all the way back to Japan on the second one just to see if I could get there, and they let me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Well, what what about getting some universities, some of these medical universities backing them, Alex? Wouldn't that help? Well, if if somebody would do a study now, you remember I, I I've got a jet gun, one of those air injection devices, and I always take it to hearings when I've got a uh, a veteran with hepatitis. I'll take that jet gun. I'll say, here, Your Honor, lean over here. Let me show you how this thing works. That judge was real back away from me. I said, get the hell away from me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I explained to him how it works, and I said, now you can understand how it could be unsanitary because, you know, alcohol doesn't denatured alcohol or rubbing alcohol. Yeah, that, that don't kill hepatitis C. You can take a drop of blood hepatitis C blood and put it on the Formica kitchen countertop at room temperature and still get hepatitis C from it three months later. That's some pretty viral, pretty, uh, pretty impressive virus in terms of its, its, how strong it is and durable. But <clears throat> you, this, this whole business, you've you got to be able to convince people when you're going to have some evidence so you... Nobody can nowadays do a test to try to see if you can transmit hepatitis C from a jet gun because nobody wants to get infected with hepatitis to see if they can, and then pray to God you get a cure it after you infect them with it. Uh, it would be, you, you can't do a scientific test to prove that you can get hepatitis C from a jet gun anymore. That cannot be done. We recognize that fact. So it has to be a hypothetical. It has to have a doctor or an IMO who says, oh, yeah, it's more likely and less likely it was transmitted by the injection, and that's how you win your claim. You're going to need to have somebody say the exact same thing and say, yes, service aboard the USS Intrepid and its sister aircraft carriers at Dixie Station, uh, presumption of exposure to, to Agent Orange is... is uh, more likely than less likely because the residue from Agent Orange was on the aircraft or the residue was uh, on the flight suits and the mailbags, and that's how they got it. And it was in the water system. you got to get the doctor to say it. You can't get your buddy letter from your buddy who was on the Intrepid to say, yeah, man, uh, that's how we got it. No, I'm not a doctor, but, yeah, I've got diabetes too. So <laughs> it, that, that proves it. We both have diabetes. So we must have got it on the aircraft carrier, right? You you don't win your claims doing it like that. You, you know that, and I know that. And, and John B. Wells, attorney at law, should know that. And I don't know what he's got up his sleeve. Maybe he's got some pretty fancy poker hand there, inside straight. I don't know what he's got, but I'm not seeing it. I... You know, I do this for a living. Just to, I'm just as good at any VA claim as any other guy that's a highball attorney like Chris Attig and some of those guys. They might have their specialties on stuff like PTSD, but, man, I'm red hot on SMC and Agent Orange and Hepatitis C. And, by God, I'll tell you, when I look at 
judge in the eye and I say, Your Honor, you see on my lapel here, you see that Vietnam Service Medal with the Silver Star on it? I was there for five military campaigns over two years. And I can tell you, I saw my fair share of Agent Orange sprayed and the judge go, I'll accept that as testimony. And that's a buddy letter in its own right. But it gives you more credibility in front of a judge if you were actually there. I don't think there's three guys I know of who are uh, VA attorneys or agents who actually seen, uh, were in Vietnam and have seen Agent Orange or its effects or things of that nature. But there's a way to win a claim. There's always a way to win a claim, but you've got to have the ingredients, not just the ingredients I mentioned, the three ingredients. You've got to actually have the risk factor. I don't personally believe Mr. Procopio would present any risk factors, so that's why I don't think an independent medical opinion would help him. I, I think that it, I don't think, I think VA would go out and get their own medical opinions. No, no, no. You might even get two or three of them, because they don't want to allow precedents to settle up around Procopio. Well, they're I, talking about more research and as you know, that's just a time killer and, and a death warrant for a lot of veterans. So, should there be anything to it? Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's going to be a lot of de- you know veterans that's already passed on before it gets settled. If mm-hmm. it gets settled favorably. It might well, be something that the BA flat puts her foot down and said, no, we're not going to settle on this. You guys. Well, that's, what they're, that's what they're doing, Gerald. They put their foot down in 2004 when they kicked all the Blue Water Navy guys out, and they did it again when they shrank down the size of the harbors and said, no, this isn't inland, it's, a, it's an open ocean, even though you'd have a hard time looking left and right, you're seeing land and you see this ocean out in front of you, but it looks like you're inside of a natural harbor, and they had a lot of those there, and they're saying it ain't. I, I, I don't know how you can be on the ground in Vietnam for 30 seconds and get the presumption that you're exposed to it, but you could be in an open harbor and have spray operations going on right at the throat of the, of the river where it comes into the bay and saying, well, see, you know, well, that was going on two miles away from you. It couldn't possibly, you know, affect you at all. No, it's... It's kind of like uh, Charlie Brown trying to punt the football, Alex. Every time he tried to punt it, he'd pull the football out of the way and he'd fall flat in his back. <laughs> <laughs> they keep moving the goalpost. Well, that's what the VA is famous for in... I, I thought we made a great inroads. If you remember back in, what was it, about 2011, 2012, that all of a sudden the Navy finally came up with a list of ships, uh, all the ships that had actually docked on the mainland. Yeah. And so all the troops yeah. on the air. Oh, then the next thing the VA says, well, you got to prove you got off the boat. Yeah. How about this really cool tattoo with the woman with the big tits on my right shoulder? <laughs> the guy didn't autograph it. And, and right and then that, that day, list grew. But that's when it happened. 
Yeah, I had one vet that, that I, I in 2010 or 2011. We got a buddy letter from the um, ship's uh, uh, corpsman who cut the tattoo <coughs> off his arm because he wanted to be a teacher when he got out of the service. He wanted to go to college and become a teacher. That tattoo that he got at 2 o'clock in the morning after way too much Jim Beam, uh, that was going to interfere with his plans. So they cut that thing off of his arm in little bits and pieces uh, for a number of uh, months until they just sliced his arm up. It looked like Hell's Hell's scar was huge, but there wasn't any more tattoo there when he got finished. They think that maybe he got the, uh, the... the hepatitis C from the tattoo, because the tattoo parlors are pretty skanky, regardless of where they were. And, uh, and that's a legitimate risk factor. But uh, he had to get a buddy letter from his buddy, that, that one, the, the corpsman on the ship there, whom they kept in contact with over the years, to write a buddy letter that says, yeah, I, I can swear he had a tattoo. I saw it happen. VA made him produce his DD-214, where it showed right on there, CGG-9, USS Alta, or whatever it was, proved that he was actually on the ship. Because they said initially in the notice of disagreement, they said nobody could remember back 40 years. (laughs) That's exactly what the Raider wrote. Nobody can remember back 40 years about somebody else's tattoo. Nobody can remember. That's, That's hokey. I don't believe it. It takes all kinds of things. I wouldn't believe what it takes to win sometimes, but more appropriately, Gerald, it's, it's amazing that some of the wins we do get where it actually amazes me that we actually prevail with all the things that they put up against us, all the roadblocks they put in front of you, how they move the goalposts. And, and this thing with the Blue Water Navy is, is a classic example of how the VA promises you everything, but then it's kind of like that Avis Renicar thing where it says, well, not exactly. Well, yeah, we did say that, but it doesn't work like that. So you weren't born on Tuesday, so you don't win. Well, they did go after legislation. Although their approach obviously was not correct because they didn't get it through, but uh, uh, you know, if they don't have the support through Congress, uh, and if you're not going to get Congress, if the BA is going to welch out on you, Congress looks at them and say, "Well, you know, BA don't agree. I'm not going to agree," and, and that's what you run into. It's and that's a catch the twenty-two. Yeah, that's backwards. If yeah, the VA backwards. won't look, if the VA won't pony up, then you should be examining what's wrong with the VA not agreeing with them. <laughs> that's right. Is is there what's wrong with this scenario? We got humpteen million uh, veterans sick here. Um, uh, what's what's wrong? What made them sick? I know you're getting ready to run out of time because I can hear the horses right now. Well, the uh, time has run out. Alex, we appreciate you coming on (laughs) doing the show. But uh, appreciate it a lot. I never get a 
good chance to talk about everything that you wanted to know about Vietnam, but we're afraid to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex, study up on this uh, issue with the CBO, and uh, we'll do. I'm going to do a bachelor next week early, and uh, we might uh, we might do a show on this and discuss what they're. Tr- you'd go detailed list by list of what they're trying to pull. I'll tell you what, I'm going to be a little... My wife just had an operation on Tuesday, so I'm kind of taking care of her and holding down the fort and doing radio shows, so I might be a little limited next next week's Christmas, too. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Bye, humbug. (laughs) (laughs) Humbug. I'm wearing, I'm going to be with you. Here, I gotta go turn the barbecue yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. hurry. Well, Don't be now. <laughs> much for the end. If everybody knows, asknod.org, that's my website, and it's the sister site, com, and on my VA accredited agent, 39029, my POA code is P1P, and I love representing veterans. And thank you all for letting me come on the show. Well, it's been a privilege. Hope to see you back soon, Alex. Roger that, sir. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Have a good night. You've been listening to the HadIt.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by HadIt.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of HadIt.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of HadIt.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bachelor Show. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.